Um, but uh, this evening we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 together. Uh, there are Bibles around and also be on the screen as well um, tonight. But we have been over the last uh, four or five weeks been talking about um, loving everybody always, right? This has been the book that we've been reading um, by Bob Goff. And if you don't have a book yet, we have plenty more left um, for you. And we've been going through this in, in studies during the week. I think we have a Tuesday, a Thursday, and a Friday group that meet. And I uh, hope that you guys have been getting a lot out of those um, those groups. It seems like from everything I'm hearing, they've, they've been good. Um, but just wanted to <clears throat> kind of open up our conversation tonight with a couple of questions that I want you to discuss amongst the two or three people around you to kind of spur our conversation tonight. So first one is, uh, have you ever uh, felt so loved by someone who served you in some way? And what did they do for you and why was it meaningful? So somebody who did like a tangible act for you where you felt loved. I want you to talk about that and why it was meaningful for you um, when they did that for you. So it could be something small, it could be something big, it could be somebody gave you a million dollars, um, could be, I don't know, whatever it might be. But I just want you to talk about when you felt loved when somebody had, had served you in some capacity. Okay? Are we doing this together or... Uh, yeah, and like just just oh, like okay. grab a couple people around you and just kind of talk to the person next to you or the two or three people next to you and and talk about this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
All right. Did everyone answer the question? Did you have enough adequate time? Does anyone want to share one of these stories that you shared with each other? No. She said a lot of like little things sometimes when you're really tired are so meaningful. Yeah. <laughs> in that order. In that order. Yeah. Anybody else have a story of something that somebody did for you to love you? Maybe it meant nothing to them, but it meant a lot to you <laughs> in that moment. Okay. Well, I'm going to share one with you. Um, so, this last week, Cassie uh, did something for me that loved me more than ever in our. <laughs> 15 years of being together, never felt more loved um, by her. And so, uh, and it's probably not what you guys are thinking. Whatever you're thinking, it's not that, okay? Um, But on Saturday mornings, kind of our usual pattern is we wake up and we have coffee and we read our Bibles and then we kind of like build up the energy to like clean our house. Um, Maybe you think it looks clean in here, maybe you don't, but um, we try to clean it every Saturday. Um, And by the time we get to Saturday... Uh, we've already worked a whole week, and so like we're not really looking for extra things to clean, nor are we looking to really clean the normal things like really thoroughly. We're just kind of like, okay, like it looks clean enough. Let's just kind of go with it. And so we have kind of our assigned chores, right? So it's like we're a kid again. I don't know if you guys remember having like every Saturday you have to do these chores. That's how my family was. So we have certain things that we do. I clean the floors and dust, and Cassie cleans the kitchen and the bathroom. And so we kind of have this this uh, arrangement, this deal. And so um, uh, I was like kind of halfway through doing my chores and I had I had gone in the kitchen and I, I saw that she had the fridge open and there was all of these like items that she was pulling out of the fridge and I was like, what are you, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to clean the fridge. And I'm like, what? You're going to do what? <laughs> and um, the caveat to that is we've had this fridge since we lived in this house. Um, so that would have been for four years. And we have, we're pretty clean people, but we've never once cleaned our fridge. So, um, and I'm a clean person. I like to clean. I had no desire to clean whatever sticky, goopy, weird stuff develops in your fridge. You know how it gets to the, I don't know how it all just like slides down the wall and like gets like jam or jelly or syrup or it's always the sticky things that get in there. And then th- stuff lands on it and then it becomes like, a pad for like things to catch on the sticky stuff and then you know you have enough stuff that's expired in there and you're like I don't really want to deal with that I don't know if you maybe you guys keep your fridge very clean but um we hadn't ever cleaned our uh our fridge and so the uh, second thing about that is that I am a person who feels loved when people do things for me so you buy me a present I don't care like I I don't Uh, Cassie asked me every birthday and Christmas like what do you want? Like, I don't want anything. Like I have everything that I need. I don't, gifts don't mean very much to me, but if somebody does something for me, like unload the dishwasher, it's like, I hate, I don't know what it is. I don't mind putting the dishes in the dishwasher. I hate unloading them once they're clean. It's like, it's the weirdest thing. But if she does that for me, I feel very loved. And so, um, I, I told Cassie, um, as she was cleaning it and I said, said Cassie, something like, Cassie, I don't think I've ever loved you more than I do right now, right? And then even for the next week after that, as I opened the fridge, she had like rearranged the shelves and everything so it made more sense. 
I'm like, Cass, I l- our fridge is so great. Um, you have to check it out. I know. You can like find everything. There's not that weird shelf on the bottom where like you can't see anything. You just like things go into the abyss back there and never come back and um, come out with like mold on them and stuff. Um, but uh, my love language is acts of service. And so that really made me feel very loved for her to do that. And so... Um, her servant's heart really, really got me. It really like spoke to me. Really, like, um, just showed me a deep sense of her like care for me. And so, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about um, tonight. We're going to be talking. The Apostle Paul talks in Ephesians three about um, kind of this heart of service that we have, um, that we see Jesus display in the Gospels, and then we see Paul um, trying to live a life like Jesus. Right. That's kind of what we're. That's what Christian means, little little Christ, or trying to be like Jesus. And Paul kind of carries this out with the Ephesians and with just about every other church that he encounters. You see it in Corinthians. We're going to read a passage out of Galatians. We're going to kind of hit a couple of different books. And, and Paul kind of carries out this, this heart of service. Um, and so I think a heart of service is really what, what Bob Goff describes in his book as becoming love, Right? Serving other people is a way for us to kind of personify what love is, right? And so, um, and and it also, like I said, it personifies what Jesus was about. In Matthew twenty twenty eight, it says, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then his, in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul carries this this kind of torch. He takes the torch like as if you were... In the Olympics, he takes it from Jesus and he carries it on. And in Second Corinthians four five, it says, "For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake." Right. And so, ultimately, we as Christians are servants of Jesus. Right. We preach not a message of ourselves. We don't come in the name of Tyler or in the name of Brooke or in the name of Chuck, as great as those names are. Um, they have no power, right? We come in this name of Jesus and we serve as if we are Jesus, right? It talks about in scripture that, um, that when we serve others, it's as if we're serving God. I remember this as a kid and I probably have told this story at Mosaic before, but when I was like in, in you know, I go to Sunday school and stuff and they would talk about, you know, serve others as, as if you're serving Jesus. I would like, I'd be in the bathroom, like cleaning the toilet and I'd be like, I, I want this bathroom to look so good that if Jesus came over... He would be impressed with my cleaning. I was never an impressive cleaner as a kid. But like I'm like, if Jesus came over tonight for dinner, like I would want him to feel like he could sit on that toilet and he would it would be clean. He'd be ready to go, right? And so do it as unto Jesus. Um, so that's kind of what we're gonna be chatting about tonight is just this idea of serving, being loving, right? Those two things kind of being synonymous with each other. So I asked Cassie to read. The passage verses one through thirteen tonight. She's going to read out of the New Living Translation, and uh, and then we'll talk about it. When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming by the way that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending His grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God Himself revealed His mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written. You will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, 
but now by his spirit he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Thank you. <clears throat> so we find in this uh, section of the text that Cassie much more beautifully read than I would have. Um, that Paul reminds us of uh, this price that he paid for following and serving Christ. Right? We see um, this remembrance that we've talked about a couple of times that when Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus, he was in most likely in Rome. And he was, most people think, was under house arrest. And so that would have meant at the time that he would have had some semblance of freedom during the day. But at night, scholars believe that he most likely was shackled to, uh, to one of his soldiers that would have like tried to kill him if he escaped. And so Paul was writing this letter to, these, to the Jews and the Gentiles in Ephesus partly because he was in Rome in prison for preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. So he was, this was kind of what he was enduring and going through as he was writing this. And so it was clear that serving others, as Paul was doing, and what we are called to do, isn't without cost or consequence, right, in our lives. It's just about, like, anything else good in life. Servanthood requires sacrifice, right? I, I like to say that anything good in life doesn't come free, right? Anything that is good or worth it has to be worked for. We have to put a time in. We have to put money in. We have to put effort in, right? And so that is kind of what servanthood is. And so in the original language of this letter... The word servant actually translates to something closer to like waiter. And so in that time, somebody who would wait on you or bring food to you would have been lowly, right? It wouldn't have been somebody who had this great amount of pride. Um, it wouldn't have been somebody that people would have paid attention to. It was just that person who just brought you stuff, right? And it was like, okay, get away from me, peasant kind of thing. And so this um, idea of of this breaking of pride, this this breaking down of even... Even somewhat as a waiter, you lose some of your identity. It's like I, my identity now for Paul is, is in serving Christ. And so um, the great theologian Charles Spurgeon um, speaks of how the grace of the gospel, once it has penetrated our hearts and lives, breaks our pride and causes us to be willing to do anything for the cause of Christ, regardless of cost. Right. And so this movement of grace, this movement of Jesus in us, um, begins to break down this human idea of like, well, what's this going to cost me? Instead, it's like, okay, God, wherever you tend me, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'll do that. And that's really what Paul has caught in the midst of this. And 
And yet in Galatians 6, 9, uh, in the NLT, it's uh, another letter that Paul wrote to one of the churches. It says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap uh, if we do not give up. This was a verse that I, I had, Cassie would know, in my office when I was a youth pastor. Like It was like right in front of my face. Because there were so many times, and I'm sure that you guys feel the same way in your jobs and your callings, the things that you're doing that are meaningful where it's like, like forget this, man. I'm done with this. I don't want any more part of this. I, I make jokes that there were times when um, that weren't really joking where I was like, I would get done with youth group on a Wednesday night and I'd be like driving in my car at like 10 o'clock and we had this gate. You know, our church was out in the country and we had this gate. We had the lock because we were afraid people were going to break in and steal stuff or whatever. I was also the guy who would go when somebody did break in at like 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever. But um, but I would joke that I would want to throw my keys over the fence and just like drive away and never come back, right? And I think all the good things in life that we do for people and others, like there are times there's those like, I want to throw my keys over the fence and I want to drive and never come back, right? I think that there are just those spaces and those times, right? And Paul tells us, that even as a guy who's literally will end up dying for his faith, right? A guy who will be beaten, who will be whipped, who like escapes, like has these like James Bond moments of escaping from like certain death, right? He says to us in Galatians, Galatians 6, he says, let us not grow weary in doing good, right? Let us not give up because if we keep at it, he says that we will reap a harvest, right? That there will be fruit and fruit that remains from these things that we do. For people, and so I never did throw my keys over the fence. Now that, um, now that I don't need keys to New Hope anymore, I might I just throw them over the fence. But um, in the midst of a hardship um, that Paul experiences, he also sees the big picture of lives impacted by this servant love. Right? We see even in other Paul, other Pauline letters that that he wasn't even like getting some sort of salary. It wasn't like he was like this high paid like traveling evangelist like Paul said he was a tent maker I don't know if that means he actually made tents or he just did another job that was you know provided for his income and so Paul wasn't in this for the money he wasn't in it for the fame he wasn't in it for any of these things he was in it because God called him to do it and he knew that if he did it that people's lives would be changed and we find out later on we take a 2,000 year view of what happened and there are places in Europe and Asia and across the known world that wouldn't have known Jesus without Paul right that if he weren't beaten and whipped and thrown in prison and preached until they started throwing rocks at him, right? If he hadn't done that, then maybe us in little old Stockton would have never even heard about Jesus because of, because of what Paul had done for us. And so um, I also, I love as we pick things back up um, in verse 7, um, where it says, By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. And so I think at the core of this idea of acting out our, our love through service is that we honor, uh, that it's really an honor to serve God. It's really an honor to like do things God's way. It's really an honor to take up this, this, I don't know, scepter of service to God, right? It's fun. And so this week I was thinking like, even before I was working on my notes for um, tonight, which I actually, if I can be honest with you, rewrote twice because the first time I was like, I don't like this. This is not the right thing to say. So let's talk about something else. Um, but I was writing down all the areas that Mosaic serves in our community. And it wasn't to like pat ourselves on the back or like, we're so great. We're amazing, right? But can you throw up on the screen? I, I think I made a slide of this. 
So Mosaic has been in existence for two and a half years. We're, you know, not a huge church, but look at all the areas that we are consistently serving, right? So we give to George Klein, who takes missionaries across or takes pastors all over the world. We're been going to Puerto Rico. We're connected with Restore Stockton and Stock Market and Halloween and come to the table and adopting Miss Danae's class. And I think, um, I think it's pretty amazing, like what we're up to, that we really are a church that is made up of servants, right? We really want to serve other people. We really want to make a difference, right? I don't think any of us are content with just coming to church and like playing a little game and reading the Bible and singing a couple songs and hallelujah, see you next week, right? We really want to do something different. That's why we came um, to a place that nobody else wants to come to. Like, I don't hear, like, I go to pastor's conferences, and I don't hear them, like, saying, like, dang, man, I really want to go to Stockton. That sounds like a really great place to live, right? Like, I really, really want to come there. Like, people are like, I want to go to San Francisco. I want to go to Seattle. I want to go to all these other places. That's why we came here, because God called us here, and we knew that there was going to be some work. We're going to have to roll up our sleeves and get involved in this thing. And I believe that as we, as we continue to serve God, as we continue to uh, make these strides, I think that we're capable of even more than this, right? I think that, like we talked about a few weeks ago, why not? Like, why couldn't we do more? Why couldn't we give more? Why couldn't we serve more, right? Like, it's fun. I think as, as you give and as you serve, I think you want to serve more. Like, I think as you give of yourself, you want to give more. It's like this weird concept. Like, you think... That as you give of yourself that you get tired and you don't want to give of yourself anymore. But it's the opposite. When we're generous with our lives, I feel like that breeds generosity. It grows generosity. It's weird. It's like, okay, I might give $100 and then that's like, that's so fun. Like, so next I want to give $200. Like, it just, it does that in us. It's this kind of counterintuitive thing that happens in our lives. And so I believe that God is only going to grow that ability in Mosaic where we're going to say like, why not? Like, I don't care if the church of a thousand people is not doing that. Like, why couldn't we do that? It doesn't matter our size or our budget or, you know, whether we're the most talented or best looking. We're not going to be any of those things. As, ta- as good looking and talented as you guys are, we're never going to be the most talented church or the best looking or the one with the most money. But that doesn't mean that we can't make the most impact, um, that we're capable of so much. And so I think that we're going to, as we grow in size, we're going to grow in generosity and love it. And we can accomplish so much more than even what we've been doing. Um, we already see that kind of stirring in our hearts. I love that Yvette came and said, she was the one, she's like, I don't want to lead a small group, but I do want to lead a group that would be passionate about serving Danae's class. And I was like, yes, that's amazing. That's like a pastor's dream when like the ideas don't have to come from you or the energy or the effort or the planning or any of those things where you just get to pick up granola bars and like pray for a kid. Like that's the ultimate <laughs> thing. Like, and I think there's going to be more of that where you guys are going to come and say like, hey, I saw this need. I'm really passionate about this. Can we do it? Right? Like I have a friend that can we go over her house and like clean up her backyard or like, like I saw, like I saw this need in the community. Can we go do that? Like, and we're going to be, we're all going to rally around that and be a part of that because we want to do those things. I think that's why you're here. I think that's why you're part of Mosaic. Um, so I'll get off my soapbox for a second, but I think serving grows a desire to serve. I think it's this kind of, thing that, that feeds itself. And so looking back at the text, um, I love again what it says in verses 12 and 13. It says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. 
And so we see that Paul in this section of scripture takes his focus off of, again, what he is able to accomplish in some human capacity, right? And his limited abilities and resources and places his eyes and our eyes on coming boldly and confidently to a God who is without limitations, right? I, I, I can tell you my limitations. I can tell you what I'm good at. I can tell you what I'm not good at. I can tell you how much money in the bank I have and how much money I don't have in the bank, right? I know the limitations that I have. But Paul says, why don't we go to a God who is without limitations? Come boldly and confidently before him, believing that he is the one who will empower us. Right? I love how Eugene Peterson says it. He says, remember our message is not about ourselves. We are proclaiming Jesus Christ, the master. We are all, all we are is messengers, errand runners from Jesus for you. Right? Doesn't that take the pressure off? Like, I don't have to have all the solutions. Like, I don't have to know how to fix Stockton. I don't have to know how to fix Danae's class. I don't have to know how to fix the guy down the street. Like, I'm, that's not my job. That is above my pay grade, right? I think sometimes as Christians, we're so concerned with like figuring out exactly what it is that God wants us to do that we never end up doing anything. Mm -hmm. Instead of just like seeing what's right in front of us and just doing it, right? Like I don't think God puts people in front of us with needs just because he wants us to like think through for the next three years how we're going to meet everybody's needs who is like this person. It's like just meet that need, right? Just be a part of that. Just boldly and confidently, like we're not, we are not the message. Jesus is the message. We're just the messengers. We're just the servants. We're, we're just the errand runners. I can be an errand runner. I don't have the brains or the, the abilities to like figure it all out. But I can, if you tell me what to do, I can go do it. Right? I can make that happen. And so I, re, I think that we need to remember that we serve a God that is rich and powerful and all-knowing and all-loving. And he's a really good sharer. Right? I've mentioned this before, and you've probably read it, that God, it says that, that God owns the, the cattle on a thousand hills. And if you're a vegan, then that, that might not work quite as well for you. But that means he, he has a lot of stuff, right? Like he's got all the money in the world. He's got all the talent in the world. He's got all the love in the world. Like there is no limit to like God's goodness, right? And so what Paul is saying is like we have to take our focus off of like what our goodness is because I don't have enough of that. Like I barely have enough goodness to like partially love my wife well right like partially love you guys well like or partially love my friends well there are times like last night we were getting ready to go to dinner and I didn't want to go I'm like this is going to be a weird dinner and I don't like the place we're eating and the food's not going to be good and I didn't feel like a very good like it was with my family I'm like I'm not even like a that loving of a person right now like I am I understand my limitations like I didn't even like have enough love to want to go to like a dinner right and then afterwards, I'm like, I spent what for what? That food wasn't even good, right? <laughs> and so we see our limitations, but our God is limitless. And I think that we need to remind ourselves that we can tap into that, the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of each one of us, right? And then if we don't have what we need, we can ask God for it, right? He talks about that. He says that, you know, if you know what you need, ask God for it, and, and he will be faithful to supply what you need, um, I had a friend once, um, or somebody at a con. I think we went to a, a church planting conference, and they said something like, "If someone gave you a million dollars, what would you do with it?" And I sat there. There was that people like feverishly writing, like they had like thirteen pages of what they would do. And then one guy was like, 
he raised his hand like five minutes and was like, uh, what if I need 10 million? Uh, and then somebody else was like, what if I need 20 million? And I was like, I can't even figure out what to do with the million bucks. But like, I think that's how we should think. Like, like a million's not enough. Like, what if God gave us 10 million? Like, how much cool stuff would we do? Do we have enough vision and like passion and energy? And like, do we see enough needs in our community that if God gave us $20 million and like 500 people that we could like, oh, I know what we're going to do. Let's go do this. Like, like, why not? Why couldn't we do that? Stockton just got a, a grant from a, a city organization because they had enough vision. Somebody gave Stockton $20 million so that every single kid for the next 10 years that graduates from a Stockton Unified campus gets to go to community college for free. Every single kid. But they would have never got that money if somebody didn't have vision big enough to see this need in the community that kids need money to go to school. Right? Why can't the church be that way? I don't think God's going to give it to us if we have this small perspective on these limitations on what we can and can't do or how we can and can't do things. I think that God wants us to think limitlessly, if that's a word, probably not. Um, So I think uh, all of this seems kind of like a monumental task, and I I built it even more monumental than it was in my notes. Um, But it seems kind of hard to do this, right? It seems hard to love and serve people all the time, right? It seems hard. Like I couldn't even love and serve my family last night when I like had to go to Yukimi and Manteca, right? And eat bad food. Um, so like, it seems hard, but I love what our friend Bob Goff says. And I was talking with Juan this week and he was like, I love this part of the book. He was like, tell me all about it. I've read eight chapters and let me tell you the seven things I love about the book. And, uh, it says, What I've been doing with my faith is this. Instead of saying I'm going to believe Jesus for my whole life, I've been trying to actually obey Jesus for 30 seconds at a time. Right? So we sing these songs. We sing them tonight like, God, I'm going to love you forever. You're the greatest. Whatever you want, I'll give you. Like, we sing these like very uh, um, forward-thinking songs, like these very kind of imaginative songs about Jesus. Um, but like I can do what Bob is doing. Like I, for 30 seconds, I can love you. Right. I'm not always the best listener. I don't like to counsel people. It's not really my favorite thing to do, but I can listen to somebody for 30 seconds and then like recommit myself after 30 seconds. Like I can do 30 more seconds. Right. And then like I can do 30 more seconds and then I can, you know, or like it's cool. Like you guys can love your kids for 30 seconds at a time. Right. Maybe like you mess it up for the next 30 seconds and then you kind of work your way back or like you can love your coworkers or your spouse or that person down the street that like is super annoying or like, you know, whatever. We can do that for 30 seconds. I don't have to like make a commitment. I'm going to love my neighbors really amazing for the rest of my life. Like I'm, I'm not going to. Like that's the honest truth. I'm going to suck at it sometimes and so are you and God's okay with that. Like it's going to happen. And so I just love that like in that moment, I'm not making an eternal commitment to get it right, but I can make a 30-second decision to try, right? And I think that's more than what we do most of the time. I think most of the time we make a 30-second decision and then another 30-second decision and then another one to like try for myself as opposed to try for somebody else. And so I can see the neighbor across the street and I can wave, right? That's, that's easy. I do that every day. I see my neighbor. He's watering his lawn. He's like the 
biggest water of his lawn I've ever seen in my whole life. He's out there constantly. I'm like, dude, like, don't you go to work? Or like, I don't know what you do, but you water your lawn really good. But I can wave at Albert when I drive by, right? I can do that. That's a small decision, right? I can, um, I can think of a friend, and in that 30-second time, I can text them, right? Instead of thinking like, I'm going to text them later when I have all this time, which I'm never going to have, right? Like, I can text them like, hey, I'm praying for you. I love you. Like, I can do that. That's a 30-second decision. Right, I can see cookies at the grocery store, like our friend Cindy, and I can bring them for our friends at Mosaic. Right, that's a that's a split second. I can grab those cookies and put them in my cart, and then pay for them. Right, I can do small things. Right, and so I think that loving is serving, and serving is loving. I think those two things are the same. I think that when we serve people, we love them, and when we love them, we'll get, we're going to serve them. Right, isn't that kind of how? How it works, and I think that to truly, when we truly have a heart of a servant, I really think that we have the heart of Jesus, because that's what he did. We see in scripture that that he he got down with his disciples, dirty, grimy, nasty feet. I don't like nasty feet. I don't even like wearing flip flops because it makes me so grossed out. Okay, and so because um, my feet get sweaty and they get like sand in there, it just seems weird. I want to wear socks. And shoes that like cover me from dirt. I don't want dirt in there, right? But Jesus, we see in the Gospels, right? That he got in there and his disciples' feet were dirty. I mean, real dirty. They did not take showers every day, okay? They did not have running water. They did not have soap. Um, I don't know how they got clean, but they got clean somehow every once in a while. But Jesus got in there and cleaned up their grimy, nasty, dirty feet, right? Like he was a servant of all. And so I think that we can do that when we serve that way, not out of obligation or duty, but out of love and compassion. I think that we live a life that looks like Jesus, right? And I don't think we have to have it all figured out. I won't make a commitment to you, nor do I expect you to make a commitment to me to be perfect at this for the rest of your life, because that's a lie. Uh, It's a lie from the pit, deep in the pit, that you're going to make that commitment. But we can make a commitment to do it for the next 30 seconds. And then another 30 seconds. And then another 30 seconds. And so I just want to finish with a quote from, from Jesus um, out of Luke 22 tonight. Um, that we're going to finish off with and I'm going to pray. It says, But among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. What it, who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The waiter or the one who's getting waited on? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for among you, for I am among you as one who serves. And this is from Jesus. He was the servant of all, right? He was caught with all the wrong people doing all the wrong things, and uh, and he just served people, rolled his sleeves up. And so, my question for us tonight, I want to leave us with, is: Will we become loving servants like Jesus? Will we allow His Holy Spirit to transform us day by day, and just? Not have to have it all figured out or sorted out and just bring in all the bars for Danae's class or, you know, socks for restore, <laughs> whatever it might be. We're capable of more than, than we might think we are. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to eat together. So Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you um, for this, this picture, this image of, of what the Apostle Paul lays out for us and, and this reference to the life of Jesus in the Gospels, um, that is just willing to love and serve um, and let those two things be interconnected with one another, that we would not be caught up in fear, we would not be caught up in obligation, that we wouldn't be caught up in 
some, uh, some pat ourselves on the back mentality, but that we would just really want to do what we see right in front of us. That if somebody doesn't have groceries, that we would pay for their groceries. That if somebody, uh, you know, when our neighbor waves at us, we wave at them. Um, that when kids in our community need something, we provide it for them. God, that we wouldn't make it any more complicated than just seeing needs and meeting needs as your church. And, and we pray that Mosaic would just be a part of, of uh, just this great movement of, of service to our city, that we would be right in the thick of what you're up to here. And God, we just love you so much. We're thankful for you. And we really do pray that, that all of uh, Miss Young's uh, kids would get all the way up to grade level, that they would be the best first grade class, not just at Widmer, but across the district. That the teachers would be asking, why is, why is her class so amazing? And uh, that she would, however she wants to, be able to just say that her church has been praying for them and caring for them and loving them. And uh, we're just so thankful for, for you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's eat some.